So what does that mean? Is it yeah. legal, David? What am I, a fucking calculator? Do the math for Come me, Come on, David. yeah. We've seen it all before, so let's reload on a very special episode of shows that sucked and shows that blowed. Buckle up, buttercup, it's a bumpy road. Going deep inside the mainframe secret code. Some of this shit stinks, some of it's gold. Featuring the VIPs of SBTV, Austin G and Dr. DB with our AT&C money. Weird TV is their specialty. It might be all four, just one, two, or three. Cause they're old and kind of busy. So go get ready and take a peek. So set your phases to download the rarity that we had bestowed. Special moments no one would have showed. Open your body holes cause you're gonna get told Grab yourself a drink and let's unload In a very special episode Hello and welcome to a very special episode The podcast which reviews very special Christmas episodes Including ones that do thin homages to classic Christmas movies (laughs) I am your host, Austin Gorton, and with me in Minnesota, thinking pizza on Thanksgiving sounds pretty great, is... That was literally in my notes. (laughs) Uh, I I think we need, like, a toilet flush in here, so I can (laughs) go (laughs) ahead. David bits an offering. In Portland, making butt Xeroxes is... (laughs) Carol the Maine, happy Christmas! And wrestling with a bad case of Bulgaria is <laughs> Ryan Alexander Tanner. And I'll tell you what, if Al Bundy doesn't want to fuck his wife, I know someone who will. <laughs> you know three someones, Ryan. <laughs> Maybe even four. We'll get Carolyn to weigh in That's on that. That's in my notes, too. Uh, if you can't tell this week, we are reviewing Married dot 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 with children. Season four, episodes 11 and 12. It's a Bundyful life in which Al is unable to withdraw his Christmas savings in time to buy presents for the family, and in the wake of their subsequent abandonment, triggers an It's a Wonderful Life pastiche in which Sam Kinison tries to convince him his life is worth living. Which is a bit of a stretch for Sam Kinison, who didn't necessarily feel like his own life was worth living. I want to talk about the death of Sam Kinison a little later. Yeah. There's an interesting story around it. So when we talk about the show, do we have to call it Married that, with that, Children? That. No, you can just call it Married with Children. But it's not what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, Married with Children is... Uh, it's 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 one of those foundational shows of the Fox network. Yeah, yeah that's like true. One of the first one. Yeah, like Yeah, when when Fox launched it was like Married with Children and the Tracy Ullman show and probably a couple of other things that didn't last very long. Yeah. But they were but it was one of those shows it along with The Simpsons is one of those that kind of put it on the map and made it a yeah. quasi respectable network or at least a <laughs> network that could Compete with the big three of ABC, well, it CBS. Like, it was NBC. the "This Ain't Your Daddy's Network" kind of show, right? Like, yeah, right. Yeah, got an and edge to us. It's got a real world view. This show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. We can discuss that. 
I think yeah. we will. <laughs> yeah, so let's start with you, David. What is your relationship with Married with Children? I've watched a lot of Married with Children <laughs> in my life. Because, uh, like, I'd watch it, like, I watch it in elementary school. Apparently, my parents really didn't give a crap about what I was watching. Because <laughs> not only would I did I start watching this pretty much when it started, then, like, it went into syndication, and we just watch it while we ate dinner and such too yeah. <laughs> and my dad would laugh at jokes that i didn't quite get at the time and such and it was a uh, interesting and then like so i watched a lot of it and enjoyed it but i haven't watched it in a long time half out of fear because i don't <laughs> think it will age well and i know uh-huh. it, and i know i'm gonna find some of it funny still but still be like i don't think i should find this funny anymore so i just for a long time, have pretty much avoided it because I think it's very problematic too. Uh, Carolyn, how about you? Uh, similarly to David, my parents didn't really stop me. I was surprised at one point when my mother said we weren't allowed to watch this show. I'm like, you don't stop me from doing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Since when? Since who do when? you think you are? Right. Uh, you can only stop me from doing things when you're around. So, but also. <laughs> As a young lady child, I don't know how much I like this show. <laughs> I definitely watched this episode. I remember seeing Sam Kinison and like mm-hmm. he has a presence to him, but then he is just yeah. screaming sad man, so I don't like him. So yeah, we'll talk about that. He's yeah, it's weird. His involvement is weird. And it's similar <laughs> yeah. to the show where the show I could tell as a kid, like it kind of really hates women. Yeah. In a yeah. lot of ways, which is unfortunate. But at the same time, you know, it had some decent jokes and a lot of action. Yep. So I'd at least watch an episode here and there. And Ryan, how about you? Yeah, this show I remember very well. Um, <clears throat> this show, too, uh, really sort of represents like a divide for me because I remember watching it as a kid. And I remember my parents getting divorced and my dad really liking this show and my <laughs> oh, mom yeah, really, really hating it. <laughs> And uh, I sort of remember, like, um, coming of age as sort of realizing what was wrong with this show, you know, over time. Especially, like, as it went on, it got more hacky. It got way more hacky. And they started doing the no ma'am stuff, which, Mm. like, totally took over the show. Right. That Um, was, like, proto-red pill MRA shit. Yeah. yeah, Totally. Truly. Totally. Yeah. yeah, because I pretty much totally agree with Carol that there is some really sharp writing on this show. They do some good bits occasionally, but um, there's also it's it's got some hacky qualities which get more and more as it goes, which is true of many shows. But yeah. it does have this very disturbing sort of bleak outlook. Uh, I've heard that the show is really popular in other countries too, like hmm. as a sort of satirical representation of the United States. You know, like yeah, this is what yeah. Bulgaria thinks it's like here. <laughs> Um, <laughs> also elements of it being like a guy who works in the shoe store. Like it's always distracting me even as a kid. Like how do they have such a big house? And they're like, yeah, I know and the kids are hungry, <laughs> yeah. but they have like a pretty nice house actually. Um, but anyway, oh, I haven't watched this show in probably 20 years. I've seen, it's been on a few times and I've kind of watched it, but I haven't really found it to be very watchable in a long time. I just realized when looking back at when I was watching it that even as a kid I was pedantic. So, (laughs) oh, the 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 question of their house and whatnot occurred to you. Oh yeah, and I guess I was gonna get into it, but like, there's an episode where they go to the nudie bar, which they do that a lot. But he brings Bud. Yeah, because he turns eighteen. 
Yeah, and Al gives him $7, and the joke bud's like, your whole paycheck, Dad, and hugs him. And then for, like, every episode, it's always evaluating how they could live off of $7 a week, supposedly, or whatever. Yeah. And <laughs> not understanding that this show is absurd, and you're not really supposed to take anything literally, but it wasn't yeah. going to stop me. Yeah, I'd watch those yeah, opening credits, I mean, and then give money out, I'm like, He's only left with like two dollars for like the whole week. How can they survive? Well, I don't think the income disparity in this show is any worse than on like Friends or something. I know. <laughs> yeah. they, they live in like a twelve thousand dollar a month apartment, and they all have like regular jobs. So, yeah. Well, um, like David, I watched a lot of this when I was a kid, and probably shouldn't have been watching as much of it as I watched as a kid. Um, I, I mean, I have vivid memories still of like, this was on like syndication and I want to say it came on at like 1030 after the evening news and not that I was watching the news, but like my parents were and then like they'd go to bed. And so then I'd watch the syndicated rerun and stay up and have like a midnight snack kind of a thing, watching a couple of episodes. Um, I'm fairly certain Kelly Bundy may have kickstarted my puberty. <laughs> Yeah. Um, along oh, with, yeah. Along, yeah. With, along yeah. with certain other Kellys that we've discussed in the past. <laughs> That's in my uh, notes, too, that I'm pretty sure everyone I know has masturbated to Christina Applegate. And let's be clear, yeah. even as a kid, and I know we're going to talk about this, Peg is pretty hot, too. Yeah. And I was consistently, as a child, mystified by... Al's desire to not want to have sex with her. Me too as an adult. Like, that's the biggest, weirdest thing. What is marriage if not a fuck pact between two <laughs> right. consenting, loving adults? We get it on. And so I know I didn't watch this show right from the beginning because it started in 87. And I I mean, I would have been like six at that point. Mm. Um, but by by the time it was airing right around with The Simpsons and I was watching The Simpsons, I was watching this and I watched it right up until the end. And uh, it gets, I mean, it's always problematic, but I feel like as it ages and it gets more hacky, which like Ryan said, lots of shows do, that's when it gets really misogynistic and all the no man stuff. And and when, because when, I mean, when, if you go back and watch the first couple of seasons, it's really much more of just a, here's, here's a traditional family sitcom with the twist being everybody's kind of like crass and crude and misanthropic and like al and peg have a healthy sex life and they they enjoy each other's company and whatnot and then there's a point where that and i don't know where it is because i haven't watched this in a long time but there's a point where that changes and we get the joke of how like al doesn't want to have sex with peg and they well it's i have a theory on that but and then eventually jefferson comes along and then shortly thereafter they dive into the no man stuff and it just becomes like a totally different show almost at yeah, that this, point. This being the first appearance of Jefferson, although right. uh, that was interesting. <laughs> yes, yes. And I remember that. But uh, about yeah, it. so it's yeah. and like and like you guys, I, I have been wary of watching it knowing that it it won't stand up too well. Though there are parts of it that, that do, and we'll we'll get to that. Well and I wonder too if early on if it wasn't sort of um kind of a cultural critique like in that you know al's kind of a shitty guy but he's also like a a loser like his life sucks like Mm -hmm. that he's not supposed to represent he's not an aspirational figure you know um which i think the show really lost sight of over time yeah that would have been my 
that's my theory of a lot of like popular shows with anti-heroes where like this show works as like absurdist you know parody over the top of just you know it's a very dark and, and like it's a dark parody of like a family sitcom and it kind of works because right. al's an asshole and really you shouldn't worry about him because he gets what comes to him and it's funny, but you're not supposed. He's the anti-hero. You're not supposed to idolize him. You're not supposed to really like him. But he's still the protagonist of the show, you know. And right. And it's right. kind of like a what not to do, and that's what you're supposed to enjoy it on. But then, like with a lot of shows, like the even better shows, you know, like the Mad Men and the uh, Breaking Bad, where the anti-hero suddenly, like either by the audience or the writers, starts getting idolized, and like suddenly people think like they're good people or they're people to be mimicked and then everything just falls apart on it where it's like you should never want to be like walter white because he's a monster but but he's so cool dude. yeah yeah but then he's the cool guy and then he has he a hat he yeah and he doesn't follow the rules he does what he wants to do man mm-hmm. yeah like what a bitch of a wife to want him to stop cooking meth <laughs> right, yeah and yeah. she wants him to have sex with her. What a bitch. So it's that weird right. thing when the bad guys become the people, the character the people cheer for, and then it all gets messed up. And that's what I think they lost sight of, as you said, Ryan, that now suddenly he became like somebody you were supposed to cheer, except he was still misogynistic and an asshole. Yeah, thing. I feel like it was a, it was like a, um, a sat- satirical rendition of a type of man. Yeah, and then it, it it became a celebration of a type of man. Right. Correct. It, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It shifted from being satire to just being like straight up presentation of these characters. Because yeah. those hour dramas you're talking about, I think cr- on the creative end, there is always a. It's very intentional that these are bad people. Like Tony Soprano, yeah. there's like a reminder every now and again. Like, you wouldn't want to know this person. Like, Correct, he's very destructive. yeah. Like I said, and, uh, sometimes it's more just the fans that fall in love with him and forget sure, what the sure. true message is. And that can be problematic in its own right, but that's not necessarily the fault of the writers. Shout yeah, whereas... Yes. But, um, yeah, I think Married with Children, like, more and more just sort of celebrates this, like, hateful <laughs> view. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, you guys watched this uh, online, right? Via Daily Motion? I actually might have schmounschmoted it. Yeah. Oh. Well, it's not like what we did was any more legitimate. So. <laughs> wink, wink, wink. Did you guys get the real song, or did you get the low rent? Well, that was what I was like going to add. Yeah, that, this bothered me. <laughs> A lot. Yeah, well, well, I think this is what's on the DVD, right? Yes. And syndication. Huh. Yeah, it wasn't when current, I watched current, it syndicated uh, while it was on, but yeah, correct. sure by now it current, is current, like current syndication. If you watch it on like I think it's on CMT Country Music TV. Or something something. That sounds about sounds right. Um, yeah, it says something um, about a lot of things right there. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, I think if you watch it in current syndication, it has the goofy version of the theme song. Um, but I, to any law enforcement officials listening to this, ponied up the dough to responsibly watch this via Amazon, oh. which has the which has the uh, uh, original theme song. Oh, it does. Uh, attached to it still. Yeah. yeah. The um also the 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 fakey replacement theme song also made a point to me about 
how long the opening of this show is. Yeah, it's weird I made, that I made a note of that too. And the opening like, is like a skit. You're watching yeah. like a comedic skit that they show the same one before every episode. I mean, this is for specifically this season. I remember the the opening would change a little bit every year, as I recall. Yeah. So I think this is a specific moment, but it was very long. Yeah, but when you're enjoying the theme song, it doesn't feel as long. Yeah, as when it's not like an elevator music knockoff yeah. of the yeah. theme. And what was my, my biggest problem with it was, it's, I feel like they should have just gone with something completely different. Because there's like some weird elevator music sound alike, but it really didn't sound like it. And my brain was trying to make it into that song, but yeah. couldn't quite. And it just became all the more annoying because it really was trying to get to the the melody of the song and it really couldn't and i was just like it almost gave me a headache where like if they would have just gone completely new song or something then i believe that like a legal team like figured out exactly how close they could get yeah to the original <laughs> like mathematically i don't love it as much as the uh the fakie joe cocker singing of the wonder years opening that they I had to put on that. there no. yeah that it sounds was an actual band of lawyers who did this medley yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah like in their suits they were playing it the og of this song was like actually sinatra right like yeah it yeah it's classy it's... as shit oh yeah yeah which is i think why they well can't done. use it right yeah. yeah um yeah and it's it's it, they do they do the whole like Here's each member of the cast doing something that that tells you about their character. Yeah, with with the name of the actor playing them, which you don't even get that nowadays. But you're like, okay, that yeah. makes sense. But then when they're all done with that, they do the whole thing where each one of them comes up and gets money from Al, and he gives it to the dog. Here's and the, the whole dog. time I'm watching this, it's like I get I get that nowadays we don't have long theme songs or theme songs at all. Because TV producers finally realized that they could cram like two or three extra commercials into that time. And the only yeah. thing that boggles my mind is that it took them that long <laughs> to figure that out. Yeah, I like guess as I'm watching this, and I'm be. I mean, TV shows are like what three minutes shorter now than they were when mm. we were kids, or something at least. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, like, I was watching a rerun of The Simpsons recently on DVD, and they used to always do that bit where like someone would be remembering things and the floating heads would go and then they would do it twice if the episode mm-hmm. was like 15 seconds short you know and they always talk about <laughs> yeah. those on the commentary how like oh yeah, yeah the episodes yeah. are like three minutes shorter now than they used to be so sometimes we'd have like 20 seconds to fill up which yeah and so i watched that opening credits and i'm just like i miss opening credits but you could have cut this in half and then have sure. to make a better yeah but the song yeah. made up for it like when you had yeah yeah when you had the original like, I'm a kid singing along with that song every time. Every damn time I'm singing. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's how I, I felt with that. the recap, too. Like, they could have cut a lot out of it. Editing has certainly advanced in the last <laughs> well, 35 be, years. We might get to this, but let's be fair. They could have cut yeah. out the first half of this uh, two-parter and <laughs> been fine. There you but... go. Yeah, well, and this show, as I recall, was notorious for uh, shitty to and even five parters oh, like, yeah <laughs> yeah they did a lot of series yeah remember remember the the multi-part london where, yep. where they were trying to get al and bud back to some town so that they could kill them and that was always in darkness yeah they even it had like, a season like that was five. a dream too oh yeah that's right they well did and that was for a really specific reason though Pregnancy, like i was thinking right? well and it was because uh real life peg bundy was pregnant and then she had a miscarriage and so oh, they had she? to uh, 
yeah, oh, I, didn't I didn't know, know that. that I knew she yeah. was. Yeah, I knew she was pregnant, and that's why they mm-hmm. did it. But I didn't realize that it was the miscarriage that led them to. Uh, yeah, because they go forward with a new kid. They did a yeah. season where she got pregnant because she actually did get pregnant, and then they had Marcy also right. get pregnant, and it was this ongoing storyline. And then the yeah. actress actually miscarried and didn't want to have to deal with it on the show, so they just that was like the only time that it was excusable that a season was a dream. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. kind of. <laughs> and they had her like do a whole season toward the end from upstairs, like yelling down because she's yeah. actually depressed. So was that why character. she didn't do it? I know there oh, was. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. And and to be fair, it's fucking married with children. Who cares if a season's a dream? You know. It's oh like, yeah, sure, like, sure. You're not well, really... that's yeah. I mean, that's where married with children it walks that fine line mm-hmm. between like genuine and satire because they also did the cousin Oliver thing with Seven, right? Yeah. And, and it was one of those where like it was very clearly a satire of that sort of a thing, but it was also that thing. Like they were introducing a cute new kid to get reap the benefits of having a cute new kid while also making fun of shows that introduce a cute new kid for commercial benefit. Oh, yeah. This this show has one of the most notorious disappearing cute new kids. Yeah. yeah. They, well, they yeah. even, like, lean into it with the, uh, like, I Is remember. Like a milk like, carton or something? Yeah, they have a milk yeah. carton yeah. with his face on it and such. <laughs> that kid really sucked, too. That kid was he awful. Was, he was terrible. Yeah, they even uh they hang a lampshade on the whole Peg Bundy not being attractive thing too. With ah, uh, there's one joke where Al is checking out some other guy's wife, but then he's checking out Al, uh, Peggy Bundy, and he's just like, oh, I wish uh, I could. and he and that guy's not interested in his wife, and right because the joke isn't that she isn't attractive, but that just because they're married, it just suddenly makes you unattractive and right to that person. Right. But, uh, yeah. So this episode, part one, opens uh, as Al, as the Bundys are waiting for Al to come home. He enters the house and complains about Christmas at the mall, particularly the fact that the mall Santa is camped outside his store. And the family asks him what the plan is for Christmas, and he announces that he has managed to save enough money via a Christmas club that he can buy the family presents to go along with their annual Christmas feast at Denny's. So is the Christmas club a real thing that exists? I don't don't know know if it exists. I don't know if it exists anymore. It definitely existed back then. Yeah. And what was the purpose of that beside, like, as opposed to just a savings account? It's just a type of savings account, right? It is. It is. And as, I mean, Peg makes the joke about how, like, oh, isn't that just one of those savings accounts where you get, 3% 3% interest instead of the usual 5% interest. And that I think is mostly like a joke at Al's expense, but there was probably some truth to that. Yeah. And the idea just was, I think that you paid into it, but that the bank wouldn't let you withdraw that money until sometime in December. And so it was a way to like force you to save for Christmas versus yeah. like, if you just put money in a regular savings account, you can take it out at any time, and so you're going to do that if you need it and then not have money for Christmas. It was like a proto 401k. Yeah, kind of. But nowadays, I just feel like nowadays there's so many different like banking options and stuff. But there's, I mean, it's probably still out there. I'm sure you could, they may not call it a Christmas club, but I'm sure your local bank would love to set up some sort of savings account for you to uh, deposit extra money in for Christmas. It's kind of the theme of just the show in general that, you know, Al's never going to win nor yeah. should he but it's like he never learns his lesson about like counting his chickens before they hatch because 
why would he brag to his family about having this money that he's going to buy the presents until he's actually bought the presents? You know? Well, right. he gets right. screwed. I mean, he like... does, but I'm just saying, like, I... and secondly, don't you want to be better just to surprise him anyways? Yeah. Well, also, point. like, an, an ATM machine outside of the bank would have resolved all of this. <laughs> yeah, I know. But um, I felt bad for him. I mean, we'll get to it, but, like, he, no, he, he did everything screwed, like, right. Because he, he never point. wins. Even when it's not his fault, he's not going to win, and we get that. But then he never learns that he's just cursed because he'll always like brag about how awesome something's going to be, and you know he's it's going to backfire on him. This is also where we get our first whoa Bundy of the episode. And I think when they're yeah, uh, so, that came so, before the whoa Bayside, right? Oh, um, uh, I think so. I would have no idea. Probably. They don't say whoa Bayside, they say go Bayside. Right? And they do the Yeah, well yeah, and they do the the hand the high five thing. But I mean that's not a T like people do that outside of T V shows. Yeah, I, don't <laughs> I don't do it. Yeah. I mean, Carol, we did that do. last week. <laughs> Remember when we got that pizza and we were like, Whoa, whoa pizza pizza. Well listen. Oh. That was you. I thought it was the Ninja Turtles. I can say I've never done that before, but if I were to do it, it would be for pizza. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I liked when they were all hanging out. Like, this is what people used to do before cell phones. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they were, like, fighting to stay awake until Al <laughs> comes home. Yeah. But it's just, like, putting straws up his nose. <laughs> I know, that's his form of entertainment. Like, like, Kelly's just being hot, and, and so is Peg. Yeah. I yeah. watch this and I'm just yeah. like, when I was a kid, and I'm like, so just poor people have nothing to do then, right? This <laughs> well, it's funny, though, because if they were on their phones, it was like they would have the same expression. Yeah, like, exactly. It's just like, they would just be sitting there not talking to each other, looking down <laughs> like they are at this. They just wouldn't have phones. Uh, so then, the, uh, then Steve and Marcy Rhodes come over. And the only reason that they're allowed inside the house is the vain hope that they might have presents. And the family sort of swarms around them and feels them up for presents, but they don't have anything. And one well, of them steals her, her wedding ring right off yeah. her hand. <laughs> Bud <laughs> takes the wedding ring off of her hand. And that was like the original bit of it. This is like the fourth season, right? This so is the fourth. Yeah, we're this pretty, is the middle of season we're four. Pretty, we're pretty deep into it at this point. Because um, I, as I recall, as the show opens, it's they... It's this shitty family, and get, they get these new neighbors who seem really perfect, and then we start to see these, like, cracks in the facade of the neighbors as it goes, right? right. Yeah. Well, and the show is always kind of weird, and maybe maybe this is just my own experience watching it in syndication, which wasn't always the best about presenting these things in order, but I also have a feeling the show wasn't too concerned with narrative continuity, because there was always, like, a weird relationship where in some episodes, like, Al and Steve would be, like, best bro buds that were you know commiserating on the woes of being married with children yeah uh but then there's also episodes where like al and steve don't seem to like each other at all and they have the whole like culture clash and the Mm -hmm. roads being upper you know kind of upper class with pretensions of greatness and the bundies being you know down in the muck and all that kind of stuff yeah it just it seemed to vary like episode to episode yeah, it's Whereas pliable. later when Jefferson came along, he and Al were just like buds from the get-go and remained yeah. that way throughout the run. Yeah, I guess seasons. that's true. And they would always just like walk into the house. Like that always bothered oh, me. Yeah, that's TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> that always drove me nuts. And uh well, that's and like the... on 
friends like Rossell like go to his like sister's apartment before going home or something and you're like and this is there's some wooing in this but as the show goes on like you know like if you watch a season nine episode it's like they're sitting there and then jefferson walks in and the first like nine minutes it's just the audience wooing (laughs) in response to him yeah if they're ever like short on time in the show they just flush a toilet and let the woos take the next five minutes that's what i was gonna say too like actually in the opening because there's like the shot of al putting his hand in his pants which is like a really iconic that's like the big iconic view of the show yeah (laughs) right right um the gruel orphans tell me that season five which is the season after this one is the one where they started queuing up the audience to like hoot and holler just when a main character would come on screen. It's like mm. an episode would open with Al coming in the front door and then you'd get like, woo, yeah, just from him walking in the door. Yeah. We should get that for our podcast. Yeah. That's okay. how we should open. Instead of saying funny lines about each other, you can just be like, hey guys, woo. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of clapping, we're all going to have to start wooing. And is this the last season with uh, with Steve? It is. He leaves midway through this season, and then oh, okay. Marcy is single for the rest of this season, and then the beginning of season five is when uh, Jefferson, Jefferson shows up. They must have liked him on this episode on the set, because yeah. they had to keep him. Huh? Yeah. Yep. Well, and it was all, like, Steve le- left the show, I think, over money stuff, right? And then... I've never heard why he left, but that wouldn't surprise me. And then he came back occasionally. Like, he showed up on the show a handful of times. And I don't know if you guys know this, but Marcy, the actress who plays Marcy, is a lesbian in real life. I knew that. And she directed the last, like, four years. She directed a shitload of episodes later on in the series. Damn. Which is kind of interesting, given how kind of terrible those, in terms of, like... The treatment of women and whatnot, those episodes were the fact that she had such a strong. I remember, I remember when I first learned that Amanda Bierce, I think is her name. Uh, when I first learned that Amanda Bierce was les was a gay, was gay, mm-hmm. um, and just thinking like, God, I wonder what that must have been like for her to have like played this character on this show and to be gay at the same time, like just the yeah. constant jokes about like her not being attractive and yeah. Um, all of the like putting down of women and all that kind of stuff, and it'd be yeah, interesting. I don't to... know. Did Al ever call her a lesbian? Prob. I mean, I feel I can't think Probably. of like a, I can't think of like a specific example, but I feel like that's got to be a a thing. Yeah, I don't know. Um, like that they that they would have just like tossed off at at one point or another. But and it would but be yeah, interesting the, uh, to like direct. A, yeah, she directed thirty one episodes, Married with Children. Wow. Um, wow. It would be interesting to like direct an episode of a show where they talked about how like flat chested and shitty you were. The whole right. Time. Like I'm just like like I'm picturing her being like, all right, Ed O'Neill. In this scene, you're gonna call me a chicken and talk about how I have no boobs and action. Like, I want you to really like, mean how, it when you feel? talk about my no boobs. Like, uh, what does that even feel like? I don't know. The plot point here is that uh, Steve is going out of town to celebrate Christmas with his mother, and they do some some gags with that. He hasn't and just then... no mil. Yeah. And then uh, Marcy is worried about going stag to the holiday party at her bank. I like there's a good line where Bud says, if Weenie Town ever needs a mayor, in reference to Steve. I thought that was pretty good. 
I yeah. would also like to run for mayor of Weenie Town. I would vote for you. <laughs> Thank you. I think I could do good with those weenies. Yeah, you've got my vote, Carol. Just uh, let me know if you need a campaign manager. I will, and I'll let you know if I am a cowboy pedophile, too. I'm sure that will come out. Appreciate it. Speaking or of not, the mayor of I Weenie mean... Town, Carol, uh, da- <laughs> David's coming back from getting scolded by his girlfriend <laughs> off camera. No, she's uh, freaking out because apparently Roy Moore is refusing to concede the election. <gasps> Being a pedophile cowboy, <laughs> and so well, like t- t- God t- will <laughs> see that will see him to like the Senate seat, basically, and that. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't. That's fine. He doesn't have to concede. <laughs> I know, but everything's getting crazy. Is apparently. I still would like it if someone would break his kneecaps. Maybe the horse. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the horse will kick him in the jaw. I mean, I guess no one should be shocked that he's refusing to concede, given his. History of refusing <laughs> to follow other judicial orders. Yeah, deny everything that happens in his life. It's almost as yeah. though so he I... doesn't care about consent or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, anywho. So, where, where'd we leave off? Sorry. Uh, basically, that Steve's going out of town for Christmas and Marcy's going to have to go stag to the bank. Party. Yeah, first of all, isn't it weird that Steve is just piecing out here? Like, yes, he has a problem with his mother. <laughs> yeah. Just, well, like, yeah. even when she, like, haunt when, like, the horn honks, he's like, that's the taxi, I gotta go. Come give me a kiss, honey. I'm like, you're you're leaving your wife for Christmas and you're saying goodbye to her in the neighbor's house? And, you, <laughs> like, it's not even like a... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, like, maybe you should have spent that time alone together before instead of going over to the Bundys. Oh, yeah, have a his set mother drove all home. the way to pick him up from, like, wherever, really far away. Yeah. Although uh, the expression on Ed O'Neill's face when Steve and Marcy are bickering is pretty great, I think. His, his just smile at their, uh, that the fact that they're just as dysfunctional as uh, he well, and Well, Ed O'Neill, I mean, he's had a big resurgence on Modern yeah. Family. He's a great performer. Oh, yeah. And he really is. He's he really very is. Uh, animated on this show. Like, mm-hmm. Al Bundy, the, the physicality of Al Bundy is, like, very... Uh, yeah developed his but, face is a lot he kind of looks like a paper mache puppet in a good yeah way. he yeah, does he is he's a he's he's great yeah he just has a smile on his face that says the only joy he gets in life is uh other people's misery which <laughs> fits his character <laughs> very well i yeah. think they call it in this episode and i just clogged the toilet grin yeah mm. <laughs> no, I was gonna, also as a kid i did find marcy attractive which might seem weird to some people but uh, no, very I interesting i did as well yeah i was always i was similarly confused yeah. at, at later seasons that would harp on how like unattractive she was mm-hmm. um so the other thing that struck me about this like this entire first scene like so this takes us to the very first commercial break so that's like 10 minutes it's all on one set mm-hmm. and it's one of those things where it just reminds me of how how tv like how sitcoms grew out of like the theater and how yeah. much the old multicam sitcoms were just like we're filming a stage production more or less. Yep. Yep. And even by and even by like eighty seven and eighty nine when this episode aired, a lot of shows had kind of moved beyond that. But Married huh. with Children is very traditional in that way, in that they set their scenes almost entirely in just one set. Well, and you're there for a good long time before you go anywhere. Yeah, a lot I mean, of shows sure were like was... that. Like Martin came later, and that was generally all in one 
space. Um, a lot I'm sure of a lot of it is budget considerations more than sure, of course, much of course. anything else. But yeah, and but yeah, the show like a lot of stuff happens just in that living room. And... Right, and so I mean, I guess all I'm saying is for as much as Married with Children was sort of this groundbreaking show in terms of being like crude and crass and the the dark mirror to all of the squeaky clean traditional sitcoms and it helped put fox on the map as this kind of like rebellious network and all that its format and its structure was still very traditional and rooted in the traditions of all of those same sitcoms that it was kind of reacting against Mm mm-hmm uh, so next scene, we are up in the Bundy bedroom, and Peg comes out of the bathroom with a big red bow on and tells Al to unwrap his present. This is the second time in my notes I wrote, why won't Al have sex with Peg? <laughs> and we're only two scenes in. Um, Al does have a nice line, a funny line here when... He's like, how do you expect me to get excited when you're just wrapping up the same thing I didn't want last year? <laughs> Which, again, I mean, I don't agree. I'd, I'd bone her, too, but um, it was a funny <laughs> line. Um, and, yeah, this is where I made the note that, like, okay, we're clearly at the point in the series where Al has decided he doesn't like having sex with Peg, as opposed to earlier episodes of the series where he did, and it was not a thing. Yeah, and this is, they bring up the, like, Al is just, I don't know, like decomposing because like he never brushes his teeth and yeah. doesn't wear deodorant, and so that's where Peg's like he deodorant won't be enough. It'll they'll need bug spray to keep the smell away. Which he's, he's gross, just, yeah. Which just brings that... up my pedantic side because when the kids come in and start hugging him and stuff, I'm like, well, aren't they put off by his smell though? Like, yeah, but they're, they, they want his money. Yeah, they're, so, they're, so they're, they're toughing it out that. for the money. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Da- David, so, don't yeah, act the... like you've never embraced a disgusting man for his money. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, Peg gets all hot and bothered when Al shows her the the balance in the Christmas Club account, and then each of the kids comes in trying to get all of the share of the money for themselves. And they end up fighting, and Peg shoes them out, and then she tries to get all the money for herself. And that was a decent bit, I thought. And yeah, like, uh, yeah. that's another one. Bud, um, I think his performance is pretty good. He's a weird looking person. And, uh, <laughs> he's like and, handsome, but small. Cut, like all he's kinds very of small. Sat yeah, on a big. Ed O'Neill cut, isn't some sort of Adonis either, though. Cut to, no, but cut he to, was. He was one of those actor kids who was like really small and never got bigger, really. And then, um, and he did some weird shit in real life later. Like he tried to become a rapper, and um, I believe he had some. No, that was Bud. That's what I said, was... Bud. Oh yeah, yeah. But as I'm saying, the character tried to become a rapper. Yeah. No, I think the guy TV. too. I know, but I that was based on his real. I remember him being oh, really? on like late night TV, like trying to push this rapping thing. Uh, um, yeah. And uh, and I also believe he was involved in. I'm gonna get the crack research team on this because I believe he did some uh, illegal things involving sex. Uh, this is where Kelly comes in and tells Al that she's dying of Bulgaria and that it's terminus. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then we go down to the kitchen, oh, and yeah. Bud and Kelly uh, sit down to a lovely breakfast of toaster shavings, 
and they talk about whether or not they should get Al presents, and everyone just decides that they will give him presents that they take from his closet. So that's uh, that's what Al has to look forward to. On yeah, Christmas they time. never really follow up on that gag either. No, there's a lot of just this entire part one is just killing time, <laughs> almost entirely. Then we cut to Gary's shoe store where Santa and some kids are harassing Al. And he's trying to get out of the store so that he can get to the bank by three. But an old woman and her even older mother come in to buy some shoes. And then they try to pay for them. But it turns out that an even older woman has the money that they need to pay for the shoes. Aren't women the worst? Boo. Especially. Uh, I know. At least (laughs) this joke was more about old people than just women in general. So. Yeah, they were women, but it was more about I don't know if that's better or not. I don't know what the hell I'm but saying. But the, the whole thing about the shoe store is how demeaning it is to be beneath a woman. Yeah, you're That's right. true, yeah. Yeah, that was also something as a kid that I was always very confused about. Like, they rake constantly on how, like, it's not just that, like, Al is a terrible person, but, like, everyone in the world talks about yeah. how demeaning it is to be, like, a shoe salesman. And I was always like... But someone's got to sell people shoes. I know. I just like, remember as a kid, like, I'd see sushi, su- yeah, like I'd be shoe sales people. <laughs> by the seashore, where they yeah. sell like, shoes by the seashore. <laughs> shoe sales people, and I'd be like, they seem pretty normal. I don't know what the big deal is. <laughs> and if you have a foot fetish, that can be the best job in the world. Well, that's what Saved yeah. by the Bell taught us, right? Right? Exactly. Remember? But dude, like, no, like take I'd pictures. Be, I'd be walking through J.C. Penney's, and you'd see, like, some guy working at the shoe counter being like, Oh, I hope he doesn't feel bad that the world hates Al Bundy. He thinks the shoe salesmen are monsters. Uh, so then we cut to Marcy's bank, and the holiday party is in full swing. Yeah. Complete, huh? Go complete on. with Marcy getting her butt Xeroxed uh, on the copy machine. That's just so, good, clean fun. Yeah. How many <laughs> future U.S. senators are at this party? All of them. Everyone here will become a, a U.S. senator. Because this right, is have... just like sexual harassment central going on right now, right? There's even but everybody's old... kind of equally horned up. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. This, this <laughs> even, even, it was a different time. That's the excuse <laughs> for all this, right? It's a different time. Keep in mind, Carolyn. Everyone's all horned up, but there is the power dynamic of boss and employee. That, That's true. That oh, does yeah. blur some lines here. I'm glad you're able to remember such a thing as power dynamic in this universe <laughs> where everyone's just trash people. Like, yeah. you open on this this hot blonde babe who's, like, just in her yeah. stocking nylons, like, shimmying yeah. by herself. I had no idea. Is she, like, an employee or a dancer they hired, you know? I think an employee. All she's doing is standing on a desk dancing. Like, <laughs> so she's either like she's either someone that they hired, like a professional dancer, to come in and do that, or she's an employee of the bank who is so drunk she has no problem just standing on a desk dancing by herself. I was gonna say, what's funny is like when Al comes is coming in, it's made clear that it's not three o'clock when the bank closes yet. And so not right. only did the bank close early, but everybody's already fucking lit. So, like, yeah. they must have been drinking from, like, noon or this something. Bank, yeah, this bank's been non-functional since at least noon. <laughs> then you can get even more money out. It's weird to me, too, how sort of slowly all the hijinks are happening. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things about the show. I notice there's all these, like, kind of looks to the show. Like, the whole show is kind of, like, beige. It's all these, like, weird kind of muted colors and then like 
when there's like the sexy dancing or like the lecherous old man with the mistletoe, they're always sort of moving slowly. I noticed like everything is sort of like this weird, overly careful. It's just the staging is always weird on the show. But well, also, I think, uh, Ryan, Ryan, I think part of that is that they're working within a relatively small and finite set. Yeah. And so it's like, like Marcy at one point, like sort of hops off the Xerox and dances across the room. But she can't do that fast because if she does it fast, she'll run out of set. That's true. Out of the shot of the camera, so like she has to, so she has to sort of like very slowly dance so that we get we you know the audience understands like what's happening here. Otherwise, she'd just be like out of the camera shot in like three seconds. Her physicality when she does that drunk dance, I thought was really outstanding too. I thought she was really good. There's a great bit too where like one of her coworkers comes up behind her and hands her a glass and she throws it back. And it's very clearly empty at all points. <laughs> it's like a clear plastic glass. It's completely empty. My viewing companion likened her dance to the Carlton. And I was like, no. Oh, yeah. Carlton went to Juilliard. <laughs> yeah. I could do Marcy's dance. It's a good dance, but it's not like the Carlton. So, um, so yeah, Al shows up. Wait, so hold on. I got some, to... uh, I got some crack research information here. Oh, okay. What do you got? We got uh, here. Okay. I'll get out of here. Um, oh, you can please, so, sir, may I have some more? <laughs> I don't no. care what holiday it is. So, in 1992, David Fustino, under the name D. Lil, released the album. <laughs> he released is Lil. The rap, he is. He released the rap album Ballistics, which spawned one single entitled "I Told Ya." Uh, Ryan, and, uh, question for you: yeah. Does the album title Ballistics is it spelled with an X or a Z anywhere in it? Yeah, B A L I S T Y X. Check your CD oh. rack, Austin. Yes. Remember. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, that was just a casual that. question by Austin. It's not like he didn't know the answer already. That, and that then, was all uh, a clever ruse. Even though, even though I only had to change one letter on the David Faustino rap Google search to check about his uh, sexual crimes, <laughs> um, I couldn't come up with you anything you absolute. Add a letter. Yeah, I I I remembered a bunch of tabloid covers back in the day, but those might have been spurious. I don't know. But he did get arrested in two thousand seven for marijuana possession. Well, that's fine. I'm chill with little Faustino yeah, blazing okay. and rapping. Wait, what did he get arrested for? Sorry, he had marijuana. Weed. Oh, mar- yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's whatever. Uh, and uh, he's done a lot of stuff. Actually, he's done more than than you would. And he's like a radio personality now. He does like a scratch DJ show or something. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I did check the Rotten Apples website, and they didn't come up with anything. Okay. Yeah, it must have. I mean, I'm glad he's working. He's probably he's easily of the four main characters the one who did not parlay this into a successful TV slash film career. Well, he does do voice work according yeah. to the orphans. Like I, I mean, I, I just mean in terms of like sure, Al Peg, not... all, Al Peg and Kelly have all headlined like yeah. other TV shows and movies. That's and right. Like, yeah, he's he's clearly getting work and he's made a career for himself. And that's great, but he's not like the other three are big name stars in various things. Sure. And... No, sure, yeah. no one else. We didn't have to ask the crack research team what anyone else has been up to. Right. Um, so yeah, they're at the bank and Al shows up and the old, uh, security guard won't let him in telling him that the bank is closed and he tries to get Marcy's attention to get her to help him, but she's too drunk and collapses. 
and we get a shot of uh, a forlorn Al sinking to the ground as the security gate comes down over the doors, which is a shot that's always stuck with me for some reason. Like yeah. when, I, when I think of this episode and you're like, oh yeah, the, the Mary the Children Christmas episode with Sam Kinison, the first thing that pops into my mind is like Al shrinking down underneath the security oh. gate as it comes down. I didn't know which Christmas episode this was going to be. And the one I was hoping it was is, do you remember where they're like, Bundy the no man? Do you remember that? And then they do a round of it. That was what was in my head. And I was disappointed it wasn't that one. (laughs) Well, man, you just have to wait for next Christmas, Ryan. Next Christmas when we do uh, four Family Matters episodes. You'll have to wait wait for two Christmases after that. (laughs) Yeah, Ed O'Neill is just particularly good at looking tragic on that mug of his. Yeah, he really is. Did anyone else think about uh, Screech's Al Bundy impression while they watched this? <laughs> no, I forgot that he did that. Huh. He definitely did. How was that, it? That did is he... a thing. That is a thing that he did once. Did he flush we'll watch the it. toilet? We'll watch say... it, Carol. We'll watch mm-hmm. it soon. <laughs> so we go back to the mall and we get some more of this time killing stuff with Al getting attacked by Santa. And he imagines the the harsh reaction he's going to get when he comes home without gifts. And then a bratty, spoiled kid comes in with his mom. Did we miss the scene with the toaster shavings or something? Oh, oh that you was were gone a good for one. that. We talked about that. Oh, okay. They come down for breakfast. They come down for breakfast, toaster shavings. They decide that they're going to wrap up his presents for Christmas. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I just I missed that. I think I'm all the- way off. Sorry. The the number of twists and turns to the plot that take place in the next two <laughs> minutes is pretty astounding. So, Especially okay, considering so, how much filler is in this two part episode, like the amount right, of like, know, be, plot like, that's in the next first minute. Episode you don't even is unnecessary. Like you could start literally where the second episode picks up. That's Yet, true. Then at the same time, just this scene could have been an entire episode of the yeah, show. Like totally. They could have done a Christmas episode <laughs> where Al decides to turn the store into like a pseudo daycare and then abuses the kids and doesn't get the money that the parents paid him to watch the kids. Like that could have been an entire episode, like a couple of, you know, B and C plots featuring the kids or something. It's true. So yeah, the idea here is that he decides that he is going to keep all of the kids in his store while their parents shop, but in true uh Al Bundy fashion, he just ties them up with tinsel and won't let them use the bathroom or sit down or anything like that. It's really intense what he does to them. (laughs) Instead of doing any of that, he regales them with a Seussian rhyme of his life. We want some entertainment. Okay, I'll tell you a nice Christmas story. Gather around, Uncle Al. All right, that's close enough. All right, here we go. It was the night before Christmas, and all through the house... No food was a stirring, not even a mouse. (laughs) Stockings were hung round Dad's neck like a tie, (laughs) along with a note that said, presents or die. (laughs) Children were plotting all night in their beds, while the wife's constant whining was splitting his head. (laughs) But Daddy had money this year in the bank. Then they closed up early. Now Dad's in the tank. All of a sudden, Santa appeared, a sneer on his face, booze in his beard. (laughs) Santa, I said as he laughed merrily, you do so much for others. Do something for me. Bundy, he said, you only sell shoes. Your son is a sneak thief. Your daughter's a (laughs) flooze. 
Oh, oh, Santa said, should I mention your wife? Her hair's like an A-bomb, her nail's like a knife. <laughs> and he climbs up the chimney, that fat piece of dung. <laughs> he mooned me two times, he stuck out his tongue. <laughs> and I heard him exclaim as he broke wind with glee. <laughs> You're married with children. You'll never be free. Which is another thing I really remembered from this episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's sitting yeah. there and he's counting his money that he got for doing this, right? Right. And I right. think it was made established earlier that in his bank account is about $270 or something. Something like yeah. that, yeah, 280 I think. And he's counting approximately like $10 and seems pretty pleased with himself. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I feel like you're still not making out very well here. And you're well, still- this, is, this is also the point where, I, where it occurred to me that I'm like, you could just float a check for presents and then take the money out of the bank on the twenty sixth. Oh, that's true. Like speaking as 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 a as a financially irresponsible individual <laughs> oh. who know who knows well the practice of floating checks and or wow. making purchases because you know they won't clear your bank until like the day after you get paid. Um, that was way easier to do in eighty seven before they had all of this like electronic immediate removal from your account kind of stuff i'm like it's the 24th just go buy presents the bank's closed now it's going to be closed tomorrow by the time it's open on the 26th you get your money out put it in your account you're good to go that's true they used to have to collect all the checks in a satchel and ride a pony to the state capitol (laughs) to deliver the checks to the i didn't know that you were fiscally irresponsible austin i i'm I'm intrigued by this yeah really you're bad with money um, yeah, do you, um, what do you do? Do you just buy crap or do you not keep track of money or do you what? Buy shoes? <laughs> yeah, no, I buy crap or I bought crap. I mean, I've get, I've gotten better, but let's just say I am, I am continuing to pay for the mistakes of my twenties. Oh, wow. Does your, does your wife get mad at you? Um, not anymore. Cause I'm kind of <laughs> reining it in. <laughs> what would you but, do though? Uh, yeah. Would you just buy like a Boba Fett statue you couldn't afford or something or what? Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Like I have a crap ton of like books and comics and, um, and you know, memorabilia and action figures and all that kind of stuff that I bought in my twenties that, uh, is all on various credit card debt and saps out, you know, and so you're paying all that down and yeah, it's fun. Are you impulsive now though? Like, will you see a thing and you just want it and you can't like rationalize not buying it or? I've gotten better about that. I've gotten a lot better. So it's, it's, um, but yeah, no, I, I, it's, it's, it's very much a, um, it's a thing I have to fight against and work against. And like, anytime I get that urge, like buy something, I have to tell myself, like, take a step back, think about, do you really need this? Are you really going to feel better when you have it? Yeah. And it's totally just, it's totally just about like buying for the sake of buying. Like I get the endorphin rush from buying something. Like I have, I have have enough books. I don't need to ever, ever buy another book in my entire life and I'll never run out of books to read but I still buy them because they, it feels good when I do. I always think about what it'll be like to then have that thing in my home. That's what really helps me. And also like there's the endorphin rush, but there's also the crash when you get it and the regret of buying it. And I'm like, I got really in tune with that early on. Like I've been good for a long time. Yeah. I try to, I try to remember that crash more when I, (laughs) when I get better and it helps. No, it's it's all my it's all my parents' fault. It's all my mom's fault, really. Because <laughs> when I when when I was a kid, she would always it was always like, if you're good, then you can pick out a toy. So like we'd go like I'd go out shopping with her, 
and we'd go to like a department store and I would pick out what I wanted and leave it there. And then if I was good the rest of the day, then I would get it. And like mm. every time we went out, that's what it was. And so it like ingrained in my head this like, when you're good, you get something. And so I'd be like, oh, I'm good. I'm going to buy this now. <laughs> I can see Austin like at the store. I'm good. I'm going to buy this. You know, go, go to the doctor. If you're good for your doctor's appointment, you can get a toy. Go to the dentist. You can get a toy. Oh, you behaved on this trip. Now you can have a toy. And so I just equated like doing good and feeling good with purchasing things. This has been a good session. I'm going to charge you for this. <laughs> All right. It is, so, a, it is a good lesson to think about like, where am I going to put this? Do I need this? Do I have room yeah. for this? You know, because there's so much yeah, crap. I got, it looks cool, yeah. but then you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. When I was right, in high right. school, I got really obsessed with Beast Wars action figures because yeah. uh, Transformers. Cool. Yeah, and Transformers were out when I was a little kid, and I always loved them, and I never like got enough of them. And then I had a job in high school, and I like bought all these figures, and then I kept moving, and like I didn't want to display them because I was like, well, I don't want a bunch of fucking toys on the shelf. And then I kept, and I just had them in this big box, and I would move all the time. I just have to move this box of Beast Wars action figures, and eventually I was just like, "This is fucking nonsense!" And it really prevented me. I never buy action figures or anything anymore because it's just like a a hindrance. Yeah, I really don't anymore either. Though I still lug, I still lug a lot of that crap around. Because now I'm pot committed. Once I bought them, I'm like, "Well, now I can't get rid of them. I'm still paying for some of this crap." Um, so yeah. I got one more point here okay. moving on back to the episode mm-hmm. and that's simply that these kids are eating toaster shavings so if they have to get their wait till the 26th to get their present they damn well just better wait till the 26th and stop complaining yeah see exactly well like many Americans they live below the poverty level most of the year and mm-hmm. then they get something really great for Christmas <laughs> I'm yeah. just saying they can wait an extra day and that's all I was just reading. Are uh, frankly old enough to have jobs, and it's kind of really quaint to see a one-job household. (laughs) I know. Yeah, that's true. I know those those kids are, and the wife definitely could have a job at this point too. She's not raising those kids. That's one. I mean, they that's a recurring thing that they harp on, like about how Peg doesn't work, also doesn't do anything around the house, and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, Uh, Kelly already dresses like a stripper. She could make so much money. Right? She could just right? stand on the corner and she would make some money. Uh, one of these kids, it might interest you to know, David, oh, uh, would me. grow would would grow up to play the rookie of the year in oh. rookie <laughs> of the year. Oh shit! A classic. And was thus also the kid in American Pie yeah. that learned about Cunnilingus with Tara oh, Reid. Oh, I didn't know Oh, another movie so that has some. the cunnilingist of the year. That doesn't oh, hold up to was... our current politics. <laughs> when he was no when shit. he was high school age, that's the kid from Rookie of the Year. One of those kids, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I don't All know right. which one. I mean, they're just listed in the in the IMDb credits. Well, he's like, one yeah, of the I four reckon. main guys, though, right? In American Pie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. yeah. I never put that together. That's the same guy. That totally makes mm-hmm. sense. Yep. Uh, so the, uh, so Al's got the kids tied up, but then he loses all that money when the parents come back into the store and find out that all the terrible things that he's done for the kids. He should have swallowed that money. That's where he (laughs) fucked up. Right. They're all aghast at what he did. And I'm kind of like, you only have yourself to blame because like, Al never represents himself very well to begin with. I'm sorry. (laughs) You're taking back the money that you gave to this unlicensed, um, (laughs) 
makeshift yeah. on the fly daycare facility. Like, well, you get what you pay for. He's a shady ass yeah. shoe salesman who, if any of them bought shoes from him before, know he's an asshole, right? But if he had just glad the children didn't get like raped and murdered, all they got was tied up with tinsel. That's pretty light. Mm-hmm. If yeah, he I had... mean, this was eighty seven. Roy Moore was probably in that mall. <laughs> right. If he had just not tied those kids up, it would have been fine. If he'd just been like, just sit in that chair and don't move, I think he would have gotten away with it. I think the idea is he they wouldn't have listened to him. Ah, uh, yes. The idea is that Al just can't. Win. Yeah. I so, like in this universe how tinsel is a totally I know, thing. I know. <laughs> like those kids could have just busted out. Yeah, and he could bust out later when he gets tied up with tinsel. But right, right, right. So yeah, part one comes to a close as the mall announces that it is closing so that its merchants can go home to be with their families. It's so strange that we don't even get Sam Kinison in episode one. Right? No this this whole first episode is is like an utter waste. Like, well, <laughs> did, did like, this run as have... an hour long when it first aired? Uh that's a good question. Let me see if it's got split air dates. Well, yeah. Let's while you look that up, I could just say like if an a Christmas episode of Married with Children started with Al coming home. And his family expecting presents from him and him saying, like, of course we don't have presents. We don't got any money. And them being pissed at him. And that, running out to go to Denny's. and so Yeah, without him. Out. Yeah. That yeah. would have been as, uh, there wouldn't have been another explanation needed for that. Like, this whole yeah. first episode is just not. Right. No one, no one would have watched that and been like, this is missing something. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You know exactly why Al doesn't have yeah. money. Yeah. It was much more sympathetic, though, that he, like, really made a genuine effort to get yeah. them presents and he got screwed over. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess, oh. I guess if we're, that maybe is what we're, what they're going for here is, is to make the, I guess it sort of, what, juxtaposes the later decision that al makes in the second part because he is genuinely trying here yeah. to make his family happy i don't know uh to answer your question ryan this yes. did these did air back to back yeah i uh, sort of remember 17th, that the 17th of december of 1989 i also feel like it might have been a better lead-in if the first episode had ended with sam kinnison showing up and saying like setting up yeah. that yeah. part of it yeah well yeah because that's i mean we're this whole thing, and you know this from the title, is supposed to be this wonderful life pastiche. And it takes us, like, the whole first half and then, like, the first third of the second half to even get to the introduction <laughs> of that premise, which is just kind of crazy. Yeah, it all boils down to one scene. Yeah. Right, that's the other thing. is I don't remember the movie A Wonderful Life. Like, what would happen if I'd never born? Well, let's just stand in your living room for six minutes <laughs> and you'll see how your life would have been different. So yeah, part two begins with uh, Peg calling down a scantily clad Kelly for dinner, and the audience woos. I will say that after watching Kelly Bundy come down the stairs, Uh it did prompt me to look up on IMDb, Uh and Christina Applegate (laughs) was born in 1971 in November. Uh-huh. And this aired in 1989 in December. So what does that mean? Is it yeah. legal, David? What am I, a fucking calculator? Do the math for me. Come on, <laughs> yeah. It, well, she would have been 18 in November of 1989. What oh, David okay. is saying is that if you jerk off to this episode, you're just barely in the clear. 
depending on when this was recorded. Oh, that's yeah, what, true. Yeah. What, you're, what you're saying is that if you were watching this when it aired, she's aged herself out of Roy Moore's age bracket. Yeah. Yeah, uh, she's too old for Roy Moore. I, don't know. I had a... She is looking very nice in that <laughs> You dirty dog, David. <laughs> I had a roommate once who would collect old VHS tapes, and uh, he, like, one time was like, hey, I got this Alyssa Milano teen workout tape, <laughs> and uh, he was like, you can borrow it, and I was like, I really don't want to borrow it, and he's like, oh, I, like, kind of winking at me, and he, like, left it with me, and then, like, later, he's like, how'd you like that? I was like, I didn't watch it. I don't... <laughs> I'm not going to jerk off to 16-year-old Alyssa Milano doing crunches. Like, what's wrong yeah, with I've, you? I've never white bot i've never understood that particular. like i was a horny teen but i don't get but working out that doesn't get- i was also like 25 when i watched that or i didn't watch it oh, i yeah, didn't watch sure. it <laughs> that just makes me feel bad about myself for well, not it's also being in better shape yeah <laughs> <laughs> that really kills the eroticism <laughs> of aerobics <Right>. tapes <laughs> So the family is making snow cones, which they do with actual snow from outside, and then lime, which is mouthwash, and cherry, which is cough syrup. I totally didn't see that scene. Yeah, I I didn't see it either. Me neither. Uh, uh, See, you get what you pay for, guys. (laughs) Wow. That's what the lawless frontier of that's what the lawless frontier of the internet didn't get. Did we talk about how the daily motion presentation of this is like the screen <laughs> and it's like inset in like a fake image of a theater. I I looked up another daily motion version of this to find a full screen version. Oh, you did. Damn it. I wish I'd known about that cuz mine was in a theater. So yeah, they uh we get some we get some I guess redneck snow cone action. Um which you know, mouthwash is cheap, but cough syrup's kind of expensive. So. Yeah. Plus, it ruined Little Wayne. You have to be careful about syrup. And it tastes delicious, so I would totally eat a cough syrup-flavored snow cone. Also, who doesn't have food, but they have mouthwash? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So then Al comes home, and the family, of course, mobs him, looking for for, for their presents. And he briefly tries to pass off a whole true meaning of Christmas we're losing sight of the true meaning of Christmas, but they're like, he doesn't have any presents. And so then he tries to tell them a story about flying bears and elephants that came down and stole the presents from him. But Kelly is the only one that believes him. I think it's I bears it was, and Indians. Yeah, I think right, so too. You're, you're racist. <laughs> yeah, <I think laughs> can't tell them apart. Austin tried to make it less racist. I think I mistyped it and autocorrect changed it to elephants. So. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> blame, blame the autocorrect. They were like, Indian I want an appropriate term. You mean elephants. I want a little voice to come on every time it ruins something for me by audio correcting where it goes, um, actually. Yeah, it's, yeah, right. like, it's like a really pushy <laughs> asshole who's always wrong and is overly assertive. <laughs> like, no, I didn't mean elephants. That's not even any of the right letters. Um, also, why didn't he just tell them what really happened? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, he, so, I mean, he eventually gets around to that. Yeah. Uh, he finally, he finally gets, he finally fesses up 
that uh, the bank was closed and that he doesn't have any money. And uh, Pegax asks the uh, uh, the kind of question that we would have asked, which mm-hmm. is, why didn't you just take the money out like a day before? Yeah. So that you didn't have to cut it so damn close. And he says that he wanted to get that extra day of 3% interest on his savings. And then uh, the uh, rest of the family decides to leave him and go to their Denny's Christmas feast without him. With $8. I think this is around the part where they mention the their traditional pizza for Thanksgiving. Yes, yes. this is where Kelly says, Christmas without presents is like Thanksgiving without pizza. To which I said, a.k.a. David's Dream Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, it sounded really amazing. Good. As soon as she said it, she's like, I'm like a pizza Thanksgiving? That's all I need. But it is crazy that they all go to Denny's for $8. Right? I wrote that too. I'm like, eight bucks is an, like, that's where I can't decide if that's like David's pedantic $7 paycheck thing, or if like maybe $8 was enough for three people to dine at Denny's in 1989. I don't think so. I feel like it might have been. I don't think it's Denny's. It's not like it's, you know, hot cuisine or anything. Yeah. You can get hot in now for $8 in 1992. (laughs) And at one point in this conversation where they're lambasting him for failing to get the money, Al does make the point that he can just take the money out on the 26th and buy them presents then. And they're like, no good. And you're like, well, fuck you. It's just like one goddamn day. Uh, So we cut to the outside of the house where Al is hanging lights and a drunk Marcy comes up to him, (laughs) showing him the Xerox of her butt not realizing it's her butt and thinking that it's another coworker who's going to be majorly embarrassed on Monday for Xeroxing her butt. Or as I call it, another scene I didn't see. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So then she (laughs) needs to go throw up in her mailbox and (laughs) Al goes to fire up the Christmas lights and in true Bundy fashion, only one of them turns on. That was really sad for, that really, I don't know, for some reason I was like, oh, oh. That was um, I also love Al makes a uh, a comment about how, like, what good are they? They hang up there all year long, and the one time he needs them to light, they don't turn on. <laughs> that's yeah, good, yeah, that's yeah. a pretty good line. I just enjoy I, I like the idea of just leaving them up all year. Yeah, so anywho, uh, Al sets up the, uh, the Wonderful Life parody as he's like, you know, sometimes I think I shouldn't have even been born. And then he picks at one of the lights with a knife and gets electrocuted and knocked up. Knocked up? Yeah, I know. That'd Knocked be an episode. That is a Christmas miracle. <laughs> Knocked out. So here we are in the third scene of the second episode <laughs> that's ostensibly a parody of It's a Wonderful Life in which Al wakes up to his guardian angel played by Sam Kinison. And we're at 109 yeah. our time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is uh, fast for us, actually. I think we've gone through. Yeah, Usually we're like <laughs> yeah, 30 yeah, seconds we're, we're into it at this point. This. So the audience, uh, we get a lot of audience applause from uh, uh, for Sam Kinison's appearance. Yeah, they're, you know, they're excited to see him. And uh, when he finds out that Al is Al Bundy, of whom he is his guardian angel, we get some of Sam Kinison's characteristic angry dismay at the fact that a loser like Al is his charge. There's a lot of like Sam Kinison riffing here, I feel like. He's just like doing his bit and stuff and Yeah. It I feels feel like... very ad lib to me almost. Yeah, I hmm. feel like they were just like 
it almost seems like a Saturday Night Live appearance in terms of like Sam Kinison just came out to do his monologue, which was like a bit from his stand up routine. Yeah. He just filmed him doing the thing that Sam Kinison is known for doing and called it good. Yeah, they definitely didn't put wardrobe on him. He's just wearing the same shit he always yeah. wears. Yeah. Like he's... <laughs> um, although, like, some of the staging felt... Re- I mean, there's a lot of awkward staging on this show. Like, I feel like when people get insulted, they just stand frozen for a long time while the audience reacts. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of stuff where if you, like, stare at someone while they're performing on the show, it comes off really strangely. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I felt I mean, like... The, um, that's the awkward thing with all the, like, woos and stuff is that you have yeah. to, like, stand there and let the wooing happen while, like, nothing is going on. You have let to the wait. woos happen upon Just you. Let the woos wash over you. Um, But I felt like Sam Kinison's performance felt really not very natural a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, he's not a naturalistic actor. He's a, right. he's a stand-up comedian slash alcoholic slash really troubled person who just screams into the night so i thought it was a really good fit for married children <laughs> yeah. yeah that's a good point can we talk here about the death of sam kinnison yeah sure. so do you have that howard stern story is that the one um i don't know the howard stern story but um i know that he died from a head-on collision on the freeway uh-huh and uh he i remember hearing about this when it happened and then i looked into it uh yesterday and i got a slightly clearer version of it but so he got hit and then he was with several people, and he was like, I'm not ready to die. And then he was having, like, a, some sort of dialogue with someone that no one else could see. And he was, like, responding and having, like, a back and forth. And then he was like, okay, all right, okay, I'm ready. And then he died. Like, before he died, he had, like, a verbal negotiation with some unseen figure. And there were several witnesses to it. I've always been fascinated by that. I buy that. That's, yeah, a near-death experience read a lot of those yeah there's always a lot of spooky things going on yeah that uh howard stern element is just that sam used to show up and be a guest or just show up when he wanted to and be a guest Uh too and like he was really 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 drunk and ragey that particular day and howard stern was kind of like oh hey buddy don't go and then he fucking went oh super died oh yeah yeah he didn't just die a little bit super all the way yeah, he died completely. And then Sam Kinison, even in this episode, like talks about like how his vanity license plate was hit me. Yeah, which was that, morbid. Yeah, yeah, I think I have that yeah. written down. Yeah, I liked when um when Al is trying to get more wishes from Sam Kinison. He says, "Don't be a wish pig." I thought that was a good <laughs> line. No, I just saw that Sam Kinison. Before he became a comedian, was a Pentecostal preacher, which seemed odd. To me. Oh shit! I could totally oh. see him handling snakes. Yeah, so he really broke. My... <laughs> I don't think there's any snake handling in that room. Oh come on! <laughs> there's just a lot of hating gays. I think is. Yeah, the, the priest people. part is is. I mean, that's it's weird, but you could like I could see him as like a preacher. Like he he obviously has like a a, a commanding presence and is able to like you know yell things out. Yeah, although no disrespect to the dead, but I've never been an appreciator of his his bit, you know, his yeah, presentation. Yeah, I, I guess yeah. I just feel like he's just loud and angry all the time, and yeah. that's, that's he's good at that, but it's just kind of one note. Yeah. yeah. But I also, like, he's his career is weird in that, like, I know him from this episode, but even when, like, I first saw this episode, I was like, oh, that's Sam Kinison. He's, like, in other things. But, like, you look at his IMDb credits, like, he really wasn't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, he, 
obviously his he was a stand-up, and so he had yeah. like lots of, you know, he was on Late Night with Letterman, he was on The Tonight Show, he was on Saturday Night Live several times as yeah. like, a special guest. Like he but that was it. Like he was a comedian. Like He was a true he, comedian, yeah. Yeah, he was in uh he was in Back to School, the Rodney Dangerfield movie. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like he has what, two, four, six he has eight things listed on his IMDB page. Two of which are music videos, a Motley Crue and a Bon Jovi. Yeah. What? Was he like the sexy dude, like touching himself and He was on the hood of the car, yeah. Yeah, he was writhing. Screaming. (laughs) He was really good at whipping his hair around. Uh, He does have long blonde hair, yeah. So yeah, so two of which are music videos. One is his Saturday Night Live appearances. One is back to school. There's one from another movie that I've never heard of. A Tales from the Crypt episode. Oh, mm. uh, which one? Marty slashes conscience. Huh. And he was on in, he was on in Living Color, right? At least once. I don't see that listed here. <laughs> oh, like I this like episode, he... this Married with Children episode is one of the top four things he's known for. <laughs> well, I mean, he was known for being because you know there used to also right, be a lot right. more um, televised like stand up compilations. Like they used to just air. Uh, comedy shows, which I feel like they don't really do anymore. Yeah, no, they. Well, you get it on like HBO and Netflix and stuff. But they wouldn't. They don't have things where it's like they have people's like hour comedy specials, but they don't have like a show that's like evening at the Improv where twelve oh, yeah. people do four minutes on yeah. stage. Like you, they don't. I feel like they never do that anymore. Like short attention span theater. Yes, exactly. So yeah, um, uh, Sam Kinison. Uh, regaling Al with tales of playing pranks in heaven with Moses and scalping Hendrix tickets, which is what got him to what what got him in trouble and forced him to come down to Earth in order to get his wings. And he turns on Al's lights to convince him that he is an angel, and that's where he gets the line about not being uh, was it wish greedy, yeah. wish pig, well, rich pig, Al like rich pig, yeah. wishes wish pig. for the hee haw girls. Yep. Yeah, yeah not... so I guess Al does have a libido. You know, the way he hates his <laughs> wife, I was wondering if he just wasn't straight and he was taking it out on her. But his type is hee-haw girls, so. Yeah. So then uh, Sam Kinison. Wait, sorry, I, I, I got it. The uh, uh, the the un- unfortunate child just came up with this information. But yeah, there's uh, there was a whole episode of In Living Color that was kind of based around Sam Kinison. Because the, one of the... Women on the show would do like a female Sam Kinison character. Oh, wasn't it Andrew so, Dice Clay? A female no, Andrew Sam Dice Kinison. Clay. Damn, they had both then. Yeah. Um. And uh. And then they did one where Sam Kinison came on and they like did their bits together. And I think he did other stuff on the episode. But... Oh yeah, I see that listed under self. Yeah. Yeah, right. and it's called Sam Kinison Live from Hell, which is also Jesus. interesting. Yeah, it's like he knew he was going to die. Eer- also eerily prescient. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so then, Sam, so then Sam Kinison gives Al the story of his, the sad story of his life, which sounds very much just like Sam Kinison, I assume, doing a shtick from his, from his act. Yeah, he's and then, really a body shaming, like, talking about how oh, fat yeah. his wife is and such, and right, yet she's also right. sleeping around, apparently, I don't know. Women, well, women are the being worst. Fat, <laughs> women being fat was a huge focus of this series. I yeah, did I like his, oh, I know. I did like his, just the delivery when he's like, we had two kids. I think she ate them. Like he just like blows through it really fast. And yeah. Really um. 
Yeah, and he makes a comment uh, when Al says he wants the, he says when he wants the Hee Haw Girls, he's like, I'm an angel, not Tommy Toon. And I had no idea what that was <laughs> well, a reference to. I barely know what, I mean, I could, from the reference, I understand Hee Haw Girls are probably very attractive, but so yeah. were they on Hee Haw, I guess, the television show? I guess and- Tommy, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yes, they were like the hot broads on Hee Haw. Like, you know how, like, Laffin had what's her boobs. They had other boobs on Hee Haw. And they uh, were yeah. maybe more approachable, which is why I like them. <laughs> Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn was on that. And when uh, when when he tells him that his life could be worse, when Sam tells Al that his life could be worse, Al says, what are you going to do? Give me two more wives, three more kids, make me a White Sox fan. Which is sick burn on White Sox fans. Sick, sick burn on the on the Sox. Are you guys Sox fans? No. no. Okay. Are they a bad team or? Um, they were. The, they were, and the joke here is that because this takes place outside of Chicago, yeah, and tried and true Chicagoans would say they are Cubs fans. And this time. North Side or South Side? But... Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, both... so this is a Chicago show, huh? Yeah, yeah. I'm... Okay. Both the White Sox and the Cubs had a very long World Series drought with this episode. So uh, yeah, I know about the Cubs. Yeah, yeah. but that's, that's just uh, the thing. No one cares about the White Sox, which is what makes it funny. Yeah, right. I guess the um the fountain at the beginning of the opening credits—that's uh-huh. in Chicago. Like that's a famous yeah. Chicago landmark. The fountain always evokes a toilet flush for me, even though it's that nice Sinatra string. So. Love and marriage. Well, at the very end, they sometimes they do the toilet flush. Yeah, with the, okay. With the water going down. So yeah. Uh, so Sam Kinison says that he, if he helps Al, he'll get his wings. So he says he's going to show him what life would be like if he was never born. At which point, I wrote lots of setup to get to this point. <laughs> yeah. So Austin, so, yes. I have a question for you. Yeah. So if you are able to view your life or life. From the stance that you were never born. Uh-huh. And so let's say your wife ended up marrying someone else and having a kid with someone else. Uh-huh. Do you think that your kid would still look exactly <laughs> the same and have the same name? Uh, if TV and movies have taught me anything, Ryan, and they have, yes, they would okay. look exactly the same. Fair right. enough. Austin uh, is our resident married with children over here. Do you put uh, your hand in your pants as soon as you get home? I just take he my doesn't... pants off as soon as I get home. Oh. <laughs> he doesn't wait. He doesn't wait till he gets home to put his hands in his pants. You don't work. Yeah, doing that shit in the car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> David can attest. He sees me at work. <laughs> um. So yeah, they uh, Al and Sam Kinison enter a cleaner, brighter version of the Bundy house. So not only are his his kids looking exactly the same, but they uh in a budgetary convenience have also purchased <laughs> yeah. the same home. That Alan Peg purchased when they right yeah for now yes for now so they are a a cleaner brighter version of the Bundy house where a well dressed happy Peg is working in the kitchen and she's totally dressed like June Cleaver this time yeah yeah or yeah. some such and then an exceedingly preppy and polite Bud comes home having to, having stopped to uh, accost some bullies who are harassing women yeah right. I liked what he said here. About about when will people learn that femininity is a delicate flower of womanhood that must be allowed to bloom in freedom? 
Yeah, yet that's a joke, apparently. <laughs> yeah, that's a joke here, yet it's a question we are still asking legitimately to this day. <laughs> like, like the joke is, bud, what a wuss. And I'm like, hey, he's got a point here. Like, I'm on, <laughs> I'm I'm on, on wuss on. bud's side here, you know? <laughs> David Fustino has never looked taller or more handsome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to, to show you how far gone he is, he doesn't even want any money when offered by his mom. And then uh, Kelly comes home, and she's coming home from college, to which to which an incredulous Al remarks, "College? She flunked lunch in high school." Wah, wah. Ah, because she's dumb. Because she's a woman. <laughs> and she's excited because her her poetry is going to be published in French. French then... is the best language for poetry. <laughs> true. So then, uh, only smart and... people speak French. And Austin, she is no longer she is not sexually active now. Yes, yeah, so we find out that she remains frigid. They as... call her frigid. I am so happy that that has gone out of fashion. That's <laughs> right, extra insulting. And we also find out that Peg was frigid, which uh, yeah, I don't... is is increasingly incredulous about as well. I'm. I mean, we we whatever. Like they're living in the same house. They look the same. But I'm like. Wait, how did Al not being born affect Peg's sex life before marrying Al? I guess well, they he even was met. so hot that he just <laughs> wafted a sexual testosterone into the moon that made all the bitches horny and dumb in a three-mile radius. Uh, yeah, I, that makes sense. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have even questioned it. A real man so. has that effect on bitches, David. <laughs> It was his pheromones. Yeah, yeah and, and an incredulous Al says, "Oh, come on! The football team retired her jersey." Yeah, I could yeah. like like you could make the argument that like she became sexually active because she started having sex with him, but it sounds like she was just doing everybody in high school, which is right. a yeah, prerogative. Sense but, about know, it. Yeah, I don't know sure. why his presence changed that, but uh, now I do. Thanks to there Carol. You go. <laughs> Yeah, I did. I did find it funny. Again, good, good Ed O'Neill performance. Just his like his increasing like disbelief and exasperation at the twists and turns of of the of the Al list family. Nobody else could have played Al Bundy like he did. Oh, he brought a lot. Did anybody else ever get scared that like his name is close to the serial killer's name, Bundy? Yeah. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, I wonder how that, like, I wonder how they, they named the character for the series, like, how that came about. Yeah. Um, so then I do, I did read uh, from a Gruel Orphan Dispatch that apparently the creators of Married with Children originally wanted Sam Kinison to play Al. Oh, oh interesting. shit, that would have been much less palatable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know that the show would have lasted 11 seasons. Well, Certainly. for a number of reasons, it wouldn't yeah. have lasted. All right, peace, Sam. Then we would have uh, really seen what it was like if he was never born. Yeah. <laughs> so Al asks uh, if if Peg was so frigid, who in the world would have married her if she wasn't putting out? And in walks a pre-Jefferson Darcy Ted McGinley. Just like a totally handsome, tidy little dude. Does look like David Faustino's dad. Yeah, he kind of does. Super does. Um, You do him, Carolyn? Sure, you know, probably if it felt right. If I was, you know, stimulated into being a giant whore by some Ed O'Neill pheromone. (laughs) You would have to smell Ed O'Neill before you had sex with Jeff. Preferably, yes. And he would handle my feet and 
have disdain for the process. <laughs> that turns Part you on too is when people are handling your feet yet hating every moment of it. Yes, that's a, the only way. <laughs> <laughs> so Ted McGinley's pretty great, right? We all love Ted McGinley. Yeah. Was he, he was on, he sports, was on right? something before, though, wasn't he? he? Done? Uh, What's the orphan say on this? Uh, well, okay. He was on... Uh, well, first of all, he was in all of the Revenge of the Nerds movies. <gasps> was he a nerd? He's no. What, no. Well, he started. He played. He, he played the revenge as the principal evil jock in the first one. Oh. He he's the guy that the main nerd pretends to be in order to rape the girl oh. that isn't presented as a rape but is totally a rape. So in a weird way, together. he's the good guy. To I don't know. There's no well, good but guys then, in Revenge. But of the then <laughs> in later Revenge of the Nerds movies. He becomes a nerd and an ally to the main nerds. Wow. Oh. Well, that's weird. That was like in the third and fourth movie, wasn't it? Or Yeah. Yeah. Those I think it like was made the third for TV fourth. movies. It's really weird. I'm just saying they're part of the canon, David. <laughs> uh, but prior to Revenge of the Nerds, he was on Happy Days for several seasons. Happy Days. He was also, that's what it was. He was also on The Love Boat. Wow. Yeah. He was, okay. He yeah. was uh, Ace Covington Evans. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, on the love boat, he was on Dynasty for a while. Yep, he was. And then, no, I was gonna say he's been known as the quote patron saint of jumping the shark, and that <laughs> when he shows up on the oh. show as a regular, that's considered when the show goes downhill. Even yeah, though he, always, they... he tends to come in like towards the yeah. like in Happy Days, he came in towards the end of its run in like the eighties, yeah. not when it was when when it was you know, better at the beginning, and, kind of. A, yeah, and, and that theory isn't, like, supposed to be an indictment on him. It's just more like right. just how things happen, you know, how it occurs. Yeah, because yeah, the show had a good long run for a while. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. It, I know? mean, that's it's it's true in that he is the, the second supporting lead on this show after Steve leaves, but he was on 167 episodes. I'm like, there's more episodes with Jefferson than there are with Steve. Yeah. So it's like, I know, but yeah, there's he, a lot of critics who just think the show wasn't good once Steve left. Yeah, I so and you, know, you can make that case. And that me as a kid, I don't know, I just liked it all at the time, and now it's right. you know, problematic. So I don't know. Right. yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna do any actual practical research. <laughs> yeah. on that. Yeah. And and of course he was, uh, he was Gordon on Sports Night, but he yeah. was there from the. Be- from the beginning of that, so well, he was just kind of a more of a recurring character, not like a regular, you know. Yeah, and he was I mean, obviously was you know something of an antagonist. There. Yeah. You're wearing my shirt, Gordon. Uh so then uh, Ted McGinley, uh, Fo Fofferson, uh, Fo Jefferson offers presents <laughs> to the family, but the like family that. declines, <laughs> saying. That his love and guidance is all that they need. So does he have to, like, return those presents then? Well, it turns out the president that Fulferson has bought for the family is a new mansion so that they can finally oh, yeah. get out of this terrible hovel that uh, that they're apparently living in that they bought, I guess, from, from Al Bundy. Now, I um, wasn't as perfect as these kids are in this, like, little fantasy scenario, but... If a new house was my quote Christmas present, I'd be pretty pissed off. <laughs> yeah, that's more of a parent a present. Yeah, for yeah, right. And they do this, so they do this little bit here, where, uh, where where Fofferson talks about this like poor, pathetic 
shoe salesman that he saw at the store. Yeah, that's kind of weird, right? Yeah, Pig and, and starts complaining about him, and then Jefferson. Yeah, and it's terrible. Yeah, and it's supposed to be like this poke at Al, except that this whole thing is supposed to be that Al was never born. <laughs> yeah, I know. And right. so I guess the idea is just that it's like rubbing in the fact that he's a shoe salesman. I guess. Yeah, I it's guess just like any any shoe salesman. Yeah, in this universe, being a shoe salesman is like the most desperate, pathetic, scum of the earth deal. And they're all assholes, too, I guess, right? Yeah. 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 So then, uh, Fofferson leads the family in a cheer of, Whoa, Jablonski! So, his name is. And there's a great bit where, like, Al over his shoulder mouths silently, Jablonski? (laughs) As the the name. His name's Norm Jablonski. Yeah. I'm just curious. If he's related to Dean Jablonski. Who is Dean Jablonski? <laughs> Johnny Dakota's agent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was thinking Coach Zonski, but that's no, a different guy. No. Yeah, that is. That is a different guy. For some reason, I don't know why, for some reason, that whoa Jablonski cheer has always stuck in yeah. my head. It's... You love a good cheer, Chan. Even more so than Woe Bundy. I would be more inclined to say Woe Jablonski <laughs> than I would Woe Bundy. It's true. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'll, I'll take it. So, uh, yeah, this is where this is where Al's like, gee, this is fun. What happens next? We go back to the day I was conceived and watch my father invite invent the condom? Yeah, well, I don't even understand what that meant. That, uh, that you know, it's, it's uh, just shitting on Al. Yeah, sure. but why would he... In- Vent the con. Couldn't you just have a wear a condom? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, Sam Sam announces that he has failed because he can't find a single reason to tell Al that he should stay alive. Oh wait, you left out the part where Sam Kinison pinches Peg's ass. Some light sexual uh, harassment. No big deal. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. And then the audience they love it. Yeah. Oh, of very they do. male yeah. wooing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Al, in a in a uh, an upheaval of the traditional wonderful life story, says that he does want to live. He wants to go back to be with his family because after all the grief that they gave him, he doesn't want them to go on living this happy life. So he wants to go back to living so that they will go back to having their shitty, sucky life with him as their husband and father. Well, Let's all be miserable together. So yep. Sam Kinison is like an angel who can grant wishes. And he wants or at least his, one wish. And he wants his wings. Mm-hmm. I feel like Al's got him by the balls here. He might. He should go bigger than just like give me back my old life. Like make me a superhero or something. Like David, don't be a wish pig. <laughs> <laughs> so Sam Kinison gets super excited because he's gonna get his wings. He pinches Peggy's butt and does some more of his like Sam Kinison shtick about how he's gonna go put some ding-dongs out of reach of his fat ex-wife and then turn them into her. And then when she reaches them, he's going to turn them into his rotting corpse. And you're once again like, this is awkward watching this now because of Sam Kinison. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel like it was awkward at the time when he was talking oh, yeah. about it. Yeah. So bizarre, but that's a pretty good prank, right? Yeah. Turn, turn, <laughs> turn a ding-dong then... into rotting flesh. <laughs> Who hasn't thought about that classic? That'll show her. And then he's like, also women shouldn't vote. <laughs> <laughs> so then Al wakes up, and as the family is coming home, 
and follows them inside and asks a series of questions to confirm that he's back in the proper reality. I like when he asks Bud if he would rather have money or love, and Bud says, well, money, Dad, I can always rent love. Yeah, that was gross. <laughs> and then... Uh, and <laughs> he's like 15. I, I found myself identifying with Bud in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> David, David will always buddy up with a whoremonger. <laughs> Um, and then he asks Kelly what color an orange is, and this sets off an existential crisis for her. Yeah, as she as she tries oh, yeah. to determine how to answer that question, and everyone declares that it's the worst Christmas ever. But Al is happy because everyone is miserable. Oh, how classic Yay. married with children! There we get our classic inversion of the of the Christmas tale that everyone's miserable, but it's still a happy ending for one person. And then there's some bit about how, like, Sam Kinison can't get back into heaven because he needs his pager, but his yeah, pager, or his, he needs his, like, beeper, I guess, like a garage door opener kind of a thing, but they lost yeah. his luggage somewhere along the way, and I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just glad I got to hear Sam Kinison yell some more. Yeah, that's right? what I, I'm, yeah. That's what my new uh, ringtone's going to be. <laughs> that's pretty good dude. that was that was a really good sam kinnison i might just make that my ringtone your impression of sam kinnison will be my ringtone uh yeah so uh how many of you have seen it's a wonderful life me but not entirely yeah. in one sitting i think i'm gonna correct that this year yeah just once long ago yeah i watched it when i was a kid it's actually it's a great movie I don't think I've ever actually seen it. I think I've only seen things parodying or tweaking or mocking or whatever it, and thus have never felt compelled to watch the original. You want some, That's how I feel about Titanic. You want some interesting trivia about It's a Wonderful Life? Yeah. The, the snow is cornflakes? No, no, that it was, first of all, it bombed at the yes. box office. Oh yeah, and then it only became known, like beloved, as a Christmas movie because there was an issue with getting the what copyright copyright yeah like somebody didn't fill out the proper paperwork so it became public domain oh that's right so everyone could air it yeah so television like on christmas had nothing really to air because you know no one's gonna be watching it anyway (laughs) so they just put public domain stuff on there like it's a wonderful life and then people started liking it as a Christmas is that why movie. they always play Bride of Frankenstein on Christmas? Yeah, probably. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. Merry so, Christmas, movie house. And now we can <laughs> listen to Happy Christmas Birthday. Christmas, movie house. <laughs> it's a great movie, oh, though. It gee, really Merry is. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I don't you have guys... your money. It's in Bill's house. Or Dave's <laughs> I guess I house. Lost all the money. Jeez. If we live near each other, I would make you guys watch that with me because I would like to sit and watch that movie again. It's a great movie. I would. I mean, I'm not. I'm not opposed to to watch. Like, I haven't actively avoided it or anything. I've just also. It's one of those like it's on every year, but I'm like, well, I've never watched it. I'm not like. I don't have the well, time to sit down. Is it one of those movies that like, you've seen it in parts? Like, if you yeah, I've it seen up, like, all the times you've watched ten minutes of it, you've actually seen it like five times. I don't know. I don't know that I've seen all of it. Okay. Um, that, that, that was a movie that when I was a kid, my mom was like, all right, this is on. We're watching this. And you're like, all right. But then you're like, oh, that was actually really great. It's a great movie. 
So how how do you think this this two part episode honored that film? <laughs> how did that one scene that referenced the film <laughs> honor? <laughs> Oh, um, yeah, not very much. <laughs> yeah. So how did how did this work? What any final thoughts? Um, do we like this? Uh, how how Christmassy was it? Well, my main takeaway from this whole thing is that like a lot of times when you watch shows of this era, there's like you'll you'll see things like oh you can't say now that now like oh that's a lot of, like casual homophobia and things like that or like shitty attitudes about you know women or uh, certain ethnicities right. or whatever. And this is like an entire series of that. Yeah. Where you're like, you couldn't even do the base premise of this show anymore. Or like the the, the general outlook of this show. Yeah, definitely. But like if you rewatch it, like you're already conditioned to know that that's the case. So you don't get like surprised by it. It's a much. little much though. Like I knew about this show going into it but i was still like yeah it's quite ugly in a lot of ways uh ed o'neill gives a great performance christina applegate is beautiful katie siegel is beautiful david festino is there too <laughs> stone cold dip and he it's worth pointing out that uh that Katie Seagal and, and Christina Applegate are, are beautiful and also, I mean, they're they're good actors. Yeah, they're, they're both and very funny. Too, too. Yeah, like, yeah, there's yeah. some good acting that happens on the show, and that's probably why it lasted so long, despite being ugly in yeah. so many ways. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I don't have a whole lot to add to that. Um, I definitely was surprised at just how much filler there was and how long it took them to get to the wonderful life bit and then how it was just one scene and most of it was Sam Kinison riffing. Um, so that, that didn't really work for me, but um, as married with children episodes go, this wasn't the worst thing they could have done. And yeah, um, it gets it, it, it. I mean, it's, it is classic married with children in the way that it's a celebration of misery and an inversion of the classic sitcom tropes and whatnot so it works in that regard i guess that was one of the main things i remembered about married with children is there being like very thin two-parters like i remember watching it as a kid because i remember it came on on sunday at like nine or something it originally yeah uh not originally but it would come on after the simpsons i think yeah no it was part of like it was like simpsons to this to x files for a while yeah, but I remember only getting to watch it sometimes as a kid. Like it was one of those shows where it was like right around bedtime, so sometimes well, yeah, and this you was get like... away with it, and sometimes you wouldn't. And I remember the two parters like very often not getting to see the end of a two parter, or like seeing the first part and then the next week something was happening and I couldn't see it. So I remember the show having like an excess of two parters and them never being good storylines. Yeah, yeah, they did do a lot of those. Remember the one where they went to like. Florida, and they were staying at like the Axe Murder Hotel or something like that. Vaguely, I remember the one where they were wrestling women. Do you remember that? Like in Vegas, I think it was. Oh yeah, that's later. That's later in this season. That's after. Uh, that's after Steve leaves Marcy. She and Peggy go to Vegas, and then Al follows them and like loses all of their money. So then he has to like wrestle a, oh, yeah. a like a hefty, traditionally unattractive. <laughs> Like yep, it may, yeah. it might even be the same woman that accosted Screech in Vegas. <laughs> he um, he's gonna have to wrestle like some sort of beautiful woman, and then it 
turns and it turns out, out to be a traditionally non-attractive yeah. woman. Yeah. That was a two-parter as well. You're right, Ryan. Uh, David, what did you learn? I learned that believing that women should be allowed the space to grow into themselves is mockable. You know, that's, that's just for <laughs> wusses to think. That's, is is only the kind hair. of thing you'd see in a zany alternate reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody <laughs> who thinks that needs to grow some testicles, right? Uh, Carolyn, what did you learn? <laughs> Uh, I learned the intricacies of paying with a check so that you could float it for later. That is one to grow on, people. One to grow on. (laughs) I learned some useful scams from Austin. (laughs) It's not a scam. I learned that Austin has scams. The money is there eventually. It just buys you a little time. I learned that if your credit sucks because you spent it all on Tauntaun figures, (laughs) you you can still write a check for a plastic lightsaber. And the problem Damn with the Tauntaun right. figures is they don't really keep you warm. Like, you can't open them one up True. and just snuggle inside yeah. of them. That is a problem. Yeah, It's a really big problem. That's why you have to buy the Tauntaun sleeping bag. Austin, <laughs> do you have the Tauntaun sleeping bag? No, I never got a Tauntaun sleeping bag. Uh, that's too bad. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, did you learn anything else, or is that your uh, is that your lesson? <laughs> um, I think that was my big one. I guess I learned not to fix your Christmas lights with a knife. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I learned that Austin. I learned that Austin is fiscally irresponsible. I didn't know that. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Making right. making my way. Paying paying off some past mistakes. You can uh, buy just like a little tiny treat if you're good, like a boba tea. <laughs> a boba fett tea. Yes. Uh, and I learned that the best language for poetry is French. Obviously. Mm, yeah. Um, Carolyn, where can we find your womanhood blooming online? <laughs> well, that's a there's a paywall before that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Carol, where do you go Christmas Carolyn? Um, everywhere. Oh. Town to town. <laughs> Here's the sleigh bells jingling. Um, you can find me and some of my stuff at carolynmain.com, Carolyn Main on Twitter, Carolyn Main on Facebook. And you can look up the game Pitch Please. We have the pilot up on the River City Podcast Federation. So check that out, oh, too. Shit. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, where can we find you online? Christmas Ryaning. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't really have a ring to it. Sorry. Oh, thanks, Carol. Um... <laughs> Um, I have a website. It's ohyesverynice.com. This is an art website, and that's also my Twitter handle, where I tweet up to twice a month. And it's also my Instagram. And uh, that'll do. That'll do. And uh, David, where can we find you mocking the notion of womanhood needing to be allowed room to blossom online? Uh, yeah, just at the real gentleman of electric.com every day. You know. At like MRAs right? Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I worry about that the name of our website is a little MRA ish. Yeah, but maybe they'll right. learn something. ABSE podcast? No, oh. Dave, about our where David and I write. The real our, gentleman our, of Yeah. Oh. Yeah, really? and I'm also on Twitter at Dr. Bits. Dr. Spelled Out. Yeah. Uh, as, as for me. Uh, you can find me not spending money on Twitter at Austin Gorton. 
and you can read my writing at therealgentlemanofleisure.com as well, which is totally not an MRA website, I swear. Um, as for our show, a very special episode, you can follow us on Twitter at AVSEPod. You can check out our Facebook page at facebook.com. And you can email us via AVSEPodcast at gmail.com. And you definitely should email us um, if you are listening to this right now and it is still um, like mid-December while you're listening to it, send us an email and we will read it on our next show. Um, I mean, unless it's like an email that's like, I think you guys should watch this episode of this show. Like, we appreciate those kind of suggestions and we'll take them into consideration, but like, we, there's not, I can't read uh, so that. Right now, enough. beggars can't be choosers. We'll You're right. You know yeah. what? Just right, send, yeah. send us whatever Trump's crap man. you've got. Yeah, send us whatever <laughs> crap you've got and we will read it. Our, uh, our uh, mailbag next week is going to be a bunch of like penis pill. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you like, send us some of your most special moments of the series so far and send us um, a part where you went to the bathroom because it was boring. <laughs> if you want, send us your bathroom pics. Or a part where you went to the bathroom because you were so excited you almost <laughs> pissed yourself. Yeah, that would be a good a good letter. But no, I think if people are like, hey, you should watch blah, 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 we could at least talk about whether or not we'll watch it. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, send us what you got. Just send us some emails. Please. Please. If you're listening to this in like January or 2020 or whatever, then I mean, you could still send us an email, but we can't promise you that we'll read it on our next show. Do you think um, we'll still be doing this in 2020? I uh, Where is the world even going to be in 2020, Ryan? <laughs> Underwater. Um, yeah, exactly. You say your foresight is in 2020. Oh, uh, <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Well, on that note, uh, for a very special episode, I am Austin Gorton, and can I get a Wojablonski? Wojablonski! That was a very special episode. We dissected that shit from head to toe. Did the time fly by, or was it slow? Got so many life lessons. Oh, how we've grown. Seen so much TV that we're gonna explode next time on a very special episode. I don't know. And, uh, um, wait, I don't know anything to say about it. Ah, uh, fuck, it's gone. Good, good times. So then, uh, the, the, <laughs>